Hey everyone, this is Brian from the Tennis IQ Podcast. Josh and I hope that you are enjoying the content and discussions that we put out week after week. If you'd like to support the podcast and help us to continue to produce quality episodes, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership. Currently, we have three tiers of support, the fan level at $3 per month, the supporter level at $7 per month, and the champion level at $20 per month. Benefits of joining the Tennis IQ podcast community include episode transcripts, participation in book club discussions, and access to monthly masterclasses with me and Josh. For more on these benefits of support, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership. Thank you so much. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Josh Berger. And I'm Brian Lomax, and welcome to our first episode of 2024. And today, Josh and I are going to talk about beliefs and attitudes and, you know, more specifically limiting beliefs or self-limiting beliefs and, and how we can learn to deal with some of those um, and how we can learn to evolve those into beliefs and attitudes that help us to continue to progress as tennis players and as competitors and uh, help us be, you know, increase our level, increase our ability to uh, create better and better performances, which hopefully also lead to uh, creating uh, more wins for us as players. I know for me over the last few days, uh, some inspiration around thinking about this particular topic has been uh, Dr. Bob Rotella's book. So he's big in golf, but uh, his book, uh, Your Next Shot, uh, Make Your Next Shot Your Best Shot. And he discusses you know, attitude a lot, the attitudes that are uh, necessary to be you know, a great player, whether that be on the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, uh, you know, some of the lower level tours, college golf, whatever. Um, and then also I happened to watch kind of a fun movie, I think. Uh, so for those of you who have Netflix, the movie Hustle starring Adam Sandler in which he plays a, uh, essentially a talent scout for the Philadelphia 76ers and he discovers a player in Spain and he wants to help bring him to the NBA. And there's a really cool process in the movie in which Sandler's character, who's a former college basketball player, is helping this young man understand how one needs to think and what need one needs to believe and the kind of attitudes that you need to have to be successful at the highest level of professional basketball. And there's some really, you know, there's some good scenes around the conversations, but there's also some good scenes around the amount of work that goes into this, the physical work. And it's really kind of cool, Josh, to see some of the drills that they're having this player do to get ready, you know, for like a, a training combine and, and some of these scrimmages. So those for me were some of the inspirations, Josh, uh, for thinking about beliefs and attitudes today and, and how important they are when it comes to a, a sport like tennis, because there are, um, I think there are some underlying beliefs that we all have um, that come a lot from how we grew up. Uh, our parents, our friends group, peer group, 
and and some of that is maybe just even unconscious at a certain point. Um, and, and we want to, I think, talk about how do we bring some more awareness to some of those things. And so before we get into the, you know, the more practical and specifics, I want to get your take on just the topic overall. I think it's, I think it's a sort of a, an eternally relevant topic because I think that um, yeah, as you said, there are, you know, certain beliefs that are sort of embedded within us from, um, you know, from the way that we grew up, whether that's, you know, parents, you know, family, friend group, um, but also sort of the way that we got introduced to the sport, or maybe the way that we started competing and sort of our, what I would, what I sort of think of as almost our default states of how we compete, how we see sports and um, you know, and, and playing tennis competitively. Um, and, and these, you know, we can give examples of what some of these beliefs are, but I think a lot of them have to do with, you know, sort of how we see ourselves as tennis players, maybe how we see certain types of opponents, certain playing styles, um, how we see, you know, competing in general, um, and, and different aspects, um, like that. But, um, yeah, I, I think they can be, it can be a challenge to overcome them or, you know, make adjustments um, with these sorts of things until we get to that point of awareness. So I think with a, a lot of things, you know, that it's, it's really that awareness piece is critical because until we can notice that something is happening until we're aware of it, um, it's really difficult to make change. Uh, but once we can be, you know, once we can start to recognize and be aware of these beliefs um, it's a lot easier to 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 do something about it, to improve, to um, to re- to you know understand and recognize how these beliefs are impacting us, and then to to make positive change from there. So let's talk about a progression or a model of how these beliefs then kind of work their way into action. And this comes from um, a book called "What to Say When You Talk to Yourself" by Shad Helmstetter, and uh, you know many. I don't know, almost several years ago now, we had Coach Bill Tim on on the podcast, and this is a book that he found very influential um, in his coaching career to talk to players about their about their self talk. And so, um, and and Helmstetter presents this as the five steps to change the results, and we can kind of go through this this Josh. So number one is that programming creates beliefs. So programming. Really, like we said, it's really how you grow up. It's your family unit, your peer group, teachers, coaches, etc. So you're heavily influenced by that. And in psychology, uh, sometimes we call this schemas. There's such thing as schema therapy and, and learning to deal with that, right? So uh, this programming creates beliefs. So that's really the schema part. Um, beliefs then create attitudes. So how you think about the world then creates your attitudes, about the world. Um, attitudes create feelings and feelings could be more like emotions. And we've talked a lot about in the past the theory of constructed emotions, Lisa Feldman Barrett, and how the brain is a prediction machine, not a stimulus response machine. And so that's what this is saying here. How you believe a certain situation will come out creates the emotions. So we want to understand attitudes really well. And then, you know, whatever those emotions or feelings are, they determine our actions. So 
So if you think about if you're up in a match and you're thinking about protecting your lead, well, that's going to drive a certain set of actions versus, you know, I'm playing to win and trying to close this out. And then those actions are what end up creating results, creating outcomes. And so I think this is a very interesting progression to, to walk people through to understand, okay, what is it that we can change? What do we need to be aware of here? And I think really that first level are those, are those beliefs. And uh, can we start to bring some awareness to that level of how we think of the world? And I was re-reminded of this last night when I was talking to a, a potential new client and she was discussing her challenges with finishing matches, etc. And she was talking about how she thought of things and um, the way she was discussing it, Josh, was almost like, like that this is the way it is. And um, there's almost like no thought to what could be different or I, maybe that's not the best way to think of it. It was just more or less, well, this is how my brain is telling me to think about it. So therefore it is. And, and I think that that's really the first step. And, th- and that's what we had a little bit of a conversation about, well, what could you, you know, how would you like to feel in this situation, et cetera, right? So um, what are your thoughts on, you know, this progression, these steps to begin changing your results and, and maybe how to bring some more awareness to what our beliefs are in certain situations? I think, it, I think it's really, I, I think it's a really helpful model. I think it's a really helpful model for people to, to think about. Um, and, you know, sort of step-by-step step from, you know, those underlying beliefs and, you know, those, those sort of embedded beliefs from oftentimes many years ago to, you know, those behaviors and actions of today. Um, so I, I think it's definitely, definitely helpful for people to think about. And I think, yeah, you know, listeners can think about what are some of maybe their own underlying beliefs in different aspects of, of life and different aspects of tennis, you know, and we can give maybe some examples of certain beliefs that we've seen, um, different players hold, um, and, and what the impact of some of that is, you know, I think, um, oftentimes, you know, one belief in particular that I sometimes see is around, you know, players that maybe play in a less aggressive way, um, you know, people that are called pushers or counter punchers or retrievers or different, different ways, different terms. Um, and sometimes I'll hear beliefs from different players that I work with that, you know, oh, that's not real tennis or, oh, you know, if they play like that, they're not a good player or they shouldn't be winning or things of that nature. Um, and I think it, that can take that can, you know, a belief like that can take time to to you know push back on and to to ultimately adjust because i think you know something like that is you know whether they've developed that for themselves or that's from somebody in their peer group or a coach or a parent um you know that's the way that they are seeing things for better or worse and you know i think something like that can be absolutely self-limiting because then what happens? Then they go in and play a match against this person, and they're saying that this person's not a not a good player or not playing real tennis. And then you know maybe they're going in assuming that the match is going to be easy, and then all of a sudden either 
they're, you know, it's not so easy and they're tied or it's close or they're losing. And then rather than respecting their opponent, understanding that their opponent has maybe different strengths than them. And they say, you know, they, it often starts to really backfire at that point. Those beliefs can really backfire at that point. And they, you know, feel like, oh, this is a match I should be winning. I'm supposed to win this. And, you know, I think just even that one example is a, a situation where, you know, a, a relatively simple self-limiting belief that I, that unfortunately I think is is common. And I think there's a lot of people out there with similar types of beliefs about those types of players. Um, I think <clears throat> a belief like that can can really hold somebody back. And I think that's an example of a belief about, um, you know, an opponent or a certain type of playing style. But I think a lot of those self-limiting beliefs are are about ourselves as well, or about, you know, competing in general or, you know, different aspects of, um, you know, of the competitive tennis process. So I think that's a very interesting self-belief, Josh. Um, not one that I had necessarily thought about, but is really good because, um, it's one, I think a lot of players get attached to and they end up really believing something like that yet. Why are we attached to that? There, there's nothing in the rules of tennis that say you cannot moonball or push or be consistent. Um, and so w w what has shaped us in, in such a way that we have now becomes almost really beholden to this belief. And so when we think about beliefs like that, I think the idea is we want to develop some psychological flexibility around what we believe about the sport. I think psychological flexibility is actually a really important part of mental strength. And that something like pushing is not real tennis is not like an empirical fact. But are you treating it as if it were? You know, it's not like gravity. We know gravity is something that can be proven scientifically. We cannot prove that pushing is not real tennis. So therefore, we, whether we call it a belief or not, it's actually an opinion. Yep. And is it a helpful opinion? Um, does it even make sense? And you could argue, you know, we did a master class on, you know, cognitive approaches to self-talk. And one of the things we talked about with rational um, self-talk is sort of this three-part check of, uh, is what you're saying true? Is what you're saying logical? Is what you're saying helpful? And something like, you know, pushing not being real tennis sort of fails the helpful part. It's not, it's not helpful. It's not even logical. So we want to make sure that, that we can understand our beliefs and be flexible enough to change them. You know, is it more important to you to hold on to that belief or to become a better tennis player? Because in some ways there's a conflict. Yep. Um, and so I think by bringing some awareness to how you think, and this is, I think, where you can work with a coach or a sports psych person to help elicit some of this. Because on your own, you might be able to, to figure that out, but you may have been thinking this way for long periods of time and it's just become, you've accepted it. 
So that was that's a really good one. I think the the finishing situation is another good one. About you know I'm up five two or four one. I'm serving. I have to win this game, or you know I want to protect my lead and and those sorts of things. And you hear this from young players all the time because they get it from coaches, they get it from their parents. There's so much um, emphasis on on wins and results. There's emphasis on performance. You know we talked about in a recent episode, performance-based identity versus purpose-based. So that's something to go back and listen to when we talk about these beliefs. Um, that you you want to make sure you're, you're thinking about, hey, my beliefs and attitudes are actually super important things to work on, almost skills to work on to becoming a great player and eventually creating the kinds of results that I want. So... I think, you know, the more that you believe, you know, the more that you talk to yourself about how you're looking at different situations, how you think about tennis, how you think about competition in general, and then put them through a test. All right. Is this actually helping me? Is this, uh, this is even makes sense. Is it logical? Could my current way of thinking be wrong? Um, and if you can do that, then you can start, I think, to, to design new ways of thinking. You know, you and I can talk about lots of suggestions for how to look at certain things. But ultimately, this is a path of discovery for each player. Um, there is no one way of thinking. That's where, I, you know, you obviously have read several of Rotella's books, or at least a few. One of the issues that I have with books like that, Josh, is they often present it as, well, these types of golfers always do this and they always do that. They never do this, right? And it's very absolute and it's so not true. Because in in the very next sentence, you know, well, Tiger has struggled with this and that and um, they're all human. Uh, So the idea here isn't to become this perfect, mentally tough player with beliefs and attitudes that are always right where they are. Um, It's more about, can you create more moments in which you are thinking well, generating good feelings and emotions, et cetera, and and understanding how you created that, knowing that there will also be moments in which you're maybe not meeting the mark on some of that stuff. Yep. And just to, just to summarize, I mean, I think those, three or so questions that that you said, you know, is this, is this logical? Is this true? And is this helpful? I think are, are questions that that can really help with sort of questioning some of those, um, those beliefs that we have, or I think, you know, we can go through a similar process with, with self-talk in general. But um, yeah, I think, you know, once those beliefs are put under the microscope a little bit and, and examined, um, I, I often think about like, you know, almost as if it's a, you know, like a, like a legal case and there's a, you know, a cross examiner or, you know, a lawyer who's questioning somebody and they're, you know, almost like, you know, really let's, let's see if these beliefs stand up when they're questioned, when, you know, are they logical? Are they true? You know, are they helpful? And if they're not, and if we're aware that, that they're not, that they don't, you know, that they don't pass the test in, in those three categories, then, then we can adjust them. Then we can, you know, start to see things differently. We can start to see that, 
you know what, maybe the the way that I see playing against, you know, these moon ballers or these players that slice a lot, maybe this isn't helping me. Maybe every, you know, maybe the fact that every time I play these types of players, you know, the, the fact that I struggle against them. Okay. So I, I play these types of players. I struggle against these types of players. And this is the way that I view them. Maybe these two things are connected in some way. Maybe if I changed my beliefs about these types of players, maybe I would approach matches somewhat differently and that would ultimately lead to, you know, those different behaviors and those different results. Ultimately, um, I think other, you know, other sorts of beliefs that I see is, you know, sometimes whenever people say things like, you know, I, I always fill in the blank, you know, I, I always do this or I always do that. Or, you know, I always start off matches slow or I always blow the lead when I'm when I'm ahead or yeah, always uh, lose I, 10 point tiebreakers or I always lose 10 point tiebreakers. Yeah. I, I always lose uh point games during practice. I, I, that's just not that, you know, that, that doesn't fit with my playing style. Um, you know, I think something like that, you know, can, can, can you, can a player learn to question that themselves? Can they go through that similar process of, you know, maybe asking themselves those same types of questions, you know, is this true? Is this logical? Is this helpful? And I think, you know, when examined general, oftentimes the answer is going to be no, you know, okay. Why, you know, why would a 10 point tiebreaker be any different than a set in a match in terms of your chances of winning? It doesn't, is it, is that rational? No. Is that rational or logical? No. You know, is that true? No. Um, I'm sure you can find cases where you've won 10 point tiebreakers. Um, so I, I think, yeah, just being able to examine those types of things and just being aware of, you know, the, the types of the types of thoughts or beliefs that um, that can be included. Right. Things like I always do this or I never do this or, um, you know, or, or things that start in that sort of way, I think, tend to tend to be these types of beliefs. Yeah. And then they become self-fulfilling. Um, you also when you start to talk that way, it becomes difficult to question the, whether those things are, are really true, right? Because you're, in a way, you're accepting it as the way of the world. Yes, I always start matches slowly, okay? Um, by stating that, you're actually taking starting matches well off the table in terms of something you want to improve. Um, I always lose 10-point tiebreakers. Same thing. Um, when you say, state that, you're essentially accepting it as unchangeable. And we know that that's, that's not true. All of these things are, are certainly changeable and malleable and, and can be improved. Um, you know, as humans, I think we have a very good uh, ability to detect patterns in the world. But sometimes we are seeing patterns that aren't really there or, or again, don't make sense. You know, if I lose a 10-point tiebreaker today, what does that have to do with playing another 10-point tiebreaker tomorrow? The only real connection is if I decide to make a connection. Yep. But in reality, it's completely different. I can just as easily reset myself and, and believe, you know what? I love 10-point tiebreakers. Let's go play this one. And, and 
one way to really begin to think about the fact that you can change your beliefs and attitudes is that other people seem to be successful in some of these situations that we might be struggling with. And chances are, they're thinking of it differently than you are. So, can you start to think about beliefs and attitudes almost like trying on some new clothes, trying on a new shirt? Um, Like I said earlier, we could give suggestions about ways to think, but ultimately, you have to figure out ones that work for you. So experiment. Try some on. Try saying, I love playing 10-point tiebreakers. Maybe that'll help. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Maybe it's something else. But at least give it a shot. Have, you know, experiment with it. Give, it. give it some time. Then find something. Because, you know, one of the questions I asked this young woman last night, when she was talking about how nervous she gets for matches, I said, well, how do you want to feel for a match? So I want to feel excited. I want to, I want to feel like, you know, I'm going to go out and like learn something today. All right, what's, what's stopping you? Like, what's, that's great, right? I think you're, you're right on. What, how, do you, how do you do that now? And um, so that, that begins the questioning process of how do you, you want to feel? How do, you, how do you feel like you need to feel to create positive results? Well, then you got to back that into, all right, what do I actually believe about the situation? What, what attitudes do I need to have here? Um, and so really examining how you think about the sport, competition, and different situations, and starting to redesign this whole thing and can, can, can help you. you know? And I think, Josh, we talked about this before we started recording. There's also, I think, a, a progression as a player goes from you know, learning to play and compete and then getting to you know, kind of a good intermediate level, high school level, then maybe they're playing college or who knows, maybe even pro or some elite level. You're going to run into different challenges along the way. And it's almost like some necessary things, you know, to go from learning how to, how to um, play to win instead of protecting leads, how to not be satisfied with losing a set 6-4 to being determined to win that set, 6-4. Then, you know, even at a more elite level, how do you learn to be clutch in a moment? You know, to be the one that like really wants this tiebreaker and I'm going to go out and do everything I need to. I'm going to be laser focused. I'm going to be like Novak Djokovic and refuse to miss kind of thing. You know, and so I think it's, there's always going to be some new challenges as you get better. And the more flexible you can be psychologically around this stuff, um, then the easier, not that it's easy, but you know, the, the more quickly you'll progress as a player and a competitor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think these these self-limiting beliefs sort of rear their head in in a number of different ways, right? Things like I need to I need to to play my best to to win matches, for instance, right? Um, you know, can you think of can you think of examples where you have maybe not been at your best, but you've won? And maybe you haven't been, you haven't played your best, but you've beaten, you know, really good players. Okay. How did you do it? Um, I, you know, I think things like, um, yeah, maybe beliefs around practice, maybe around the effort that's required in practice or what, you know, what needs to be done on the practice court. So I think these, these beliefs can come in all 
all sorts. And I think even an exercise that people can do, you know, that are listening is to try to try to recognize, you know, what are certain areas of life, you know, of tennis or other areas of life where maybe you take certain things for granted. And I think that can often be maybe a, a good place to start to, to recognize, you know, what might be some of those self-limiting beliefs for you? You know, what do, do they start with things like I always do this or I, I never do this um, or, you know, in order to win, I need to blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think, yeah, just being able to, you know, examine, examine them a little bit more um, can definitely be a, a, a helpful process. And I think, you know, with, I, to, to me that this has a lot to do with, you know, our self-talk and how we communicate with ourselves, which is definitely a topic that we've, we've discussed before. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, I think there's, there's different ways to address this. I think something like journaling can be really helpful, especially one, you know, once somebody makes a conscious effort to try to improve, you know, on some of these specific beliefs, you know, you can, you can journal about, it. you can journal about this idea. You can journal after you play, after, you know, a, a match, after practice and try to talk about, you know, how, how were you viewing some of these specific situations? How were you talking to yourself? about some of these specific situations during a match. Maybe it's about playing pushers. Maybe it's about, you know, closing matches. You know, some of these examples that we've brought up, but how are you viewing it in a match, you know, in the match? And I think trying to view it in a way, you know, sort of taking a growth mindset to it and understanding that these beliefs, yes, they can feel fixed, but they can really grow, grow and change and adapt over time if we're aware of them, if we're aware of them, if we're open to making change. But I think, yeah, I think something like journaling can really help with that awareness process um, and can be a really important step for, for us to, to ultimately make change in that way. Yeah, I agree. And I, there's an exercise I like to do with players that I call the mindset plan in which we, we look at different situations or distractions that have been problematic in the past and we break it down into attitude, beliefs, emotions, and focus. And then try to understand how those three things lead to certain results or actions. And the idea is that we look at how you're typically responding now. And very common is that the attitude and the beliefs are somewhat limiting or maybe even negative. Um, the emotions tend to be not the best emotions generated for you. There, you know, there's certain emotions that are facilitative, others are debilitative. They tend to be the non-productive kind. And then the focus is is oftentimes on stuff we can't control. Like you mentioned, you know, the player who, you know, the, the pusher. That's not something you can control. You're 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 fixated on something you can't control. It becomes an excuse. And so then we see. That when we have these three things in that kind of alignment, the performance is typically not what we would like. So now can we go back and begin to redesign things? Knowing, first of all, well, how do you want to perform? All right, start with the end in mind. And then basically reverse engineer the beliefs and attitudes that you'd like to have about this. Right? If this is how you want to play in this situation, all right, how do you need to think about it? What does your attitude need to be? This is how you want to play in the situation. What emotions do you need to have? What, what do you need to focus on? 
And so by understanding that how I really want to play, you can now begin to detail a little bit more about how you want to be thinking out there, your attitude, what kind of emotions you want to bring to that situation that you think would be helpful, and what you know controllable aspects of your performance do you really want to focus on to create that that type of performance? Um, you know, and then you, you you basically get to a place of um, you know having more positive types of attitudes and beliefs, more flexible, more open, um, better emotions for you, more productive, and then and then focusing on what you can control. Um, and so that can be a very useful process. And even you know, what I often end up discovering with players, Josh, is that. It's almost the same kind of formula for all the situations. Even though they might be struggling with someone who cheats or closing out a set or playing a pusher, the, the attitudes and beliefs, the emotions and, and the focus points are often very, very similar between those different situations. So what does that tell you? You know, you're very close to finding a recipe for playing really good tennis across a lot of different situations. And it's a matter of doing these things regardless of the score, regardless of situation, because they're the right things to do. But we're often thrown by a situation, thrown off. And that's the key, is can we learn to not be so thrown off by that and, and develop the right beliefs and attitudes to help us create the results we want. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's kind of starting with the, the end in mind, right? It's right. what, where do I want to be ultimately? What would be an ideal response to the situation, right? If it, in a perfect world, if I could go back in time to maybe other matches where I've been in this situation or go to the, you know, jump to the future, to other situations where I, where I, will be you know in in a similar type type of situation or a similar moment you know how do i want to handle it how would i want would i have wanted to handle it in the past and how would i want to handle it in the future and let's start there let's really bring in those details let's really be clear about what we want you know what we want that to look like and then start from there you know start from that point and sort of start with the end in mind in terms of what is that goal that goal response look like and then um yeah and then to sort of put together the pieces um from there and then i think that can lead to yeah that 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 leads to a lot of controllable factors right a lot of things within your control in terms of how you talk to yourself how you spend time between points you know what's the what is the effort that's needed what's the attitude that's needed you know understanding the the scoring system in tennis and the challenges there understanding the ups and downs that are inevitable within a match. Um, but I, I like that approach of sort of sort of starting with the end in mind um, and, you know, sort of working your way backwards towards making adjustments with these types of beliefs that can be a nice sort of foundation for, um, I would say, making making more lasting change. Yeah. I think one last thing I'd like to talk about, Josh, is more at the elite level perhaps and i've seen this in different publications it's certainly present in the rotella book i'm listening to now um about how you need to really believe 
in who you are and even believe that you're great at what you do. Um, for some, maybe it's a comparison that I'm, I'm better than others. For others, it's, it's not so much that. Um, you've probably read this paper. It came out, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago uh, about, you know, what is this thing called mental toughness? For my dissertation. Yeah. yeah. And so part of that was this unshakable belief, whether that's even really possible, but unshakable belief in yourself um, that you have certain strengths and qualities that make you better than others. Um, and that's not something that you necessarily have to, you know, go out and parade for the world. Like, oh, I'm the best and some do, but, um, you know, in, in tennis, that that's a difficult thing to be out there promoting, um, because everybody loses. Um, so it might actually be self-limiting in its own way. It can be right. It really depends on how you adopt that. Um, but there was an example of, of Novak Djokovic using this kind of language, um, in the 2019 Wimbledon final, he talked about this in, in the press conference where he was down in the fifth set. Federer's got two match points. Um, and he was asking, all right, what are you thinking there? Um, and so he's thinking that, hey, I deserve to be here. I've done all the work to be here. And you know what? I'm better than the other guy. So for him, thinking that way in that moment was helpful to him. And I think there is a fine line, yeah, between like believing in your greatness as a means of helping you to go beyond versus believing in your greatness as a problem of arrogance and that it doesn't, you know, it, 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 maybe you don't respect the opponents and you don't work as hard, et cetera. Um, but at this elite level where we already know they work amazingly hard. It's not, you know, it's not a problem that Novak Djokovic believes he's better than other players. Because he quite frankly is. And he's, you know, still proving that. Um, and so I think that there has to be, that's just something I think listeners should entertain to a certain degree. What is that balance of believing in yourself that you can do great things? Because if you don't believe you can do great things, you're probably not going to do them. If you don't believe you can be a professional, you're probably not going to be a professional. So one has to adopt these attitudes before one becomes that person. But it has to also be done in a way that it doesn't preclude you from doing the work. To know what it takes to be that great player, to be that professional. So that attitude has to help you work hard. To, to want to develop into this great player. Um, and, and so I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, Josh, because it's a really kind of, it could be a fine line there about how to promote that. Yeah. No, I mean, to, to me, it, it sort of reminds me of kind of an old quote, and I actually don't know who this quote is by. It's it's something I've just sort of heard heard in the past, and, and maybe you know where it's from or, or maybe a listener, but... Um, the quote is, you know, there are two types of people out there. There's types of people that think that they can and those that think that they can't. And they're both right. And it it's kind of that, you know, it, it all starts with 
that self-belief that, that believe, you know, believing that you can do something, right. If you, if you're aiming to be a professional player, if you think that that is possible, if you think that you are capable of, you know, aspiring to, to, to get to that level and become a professional player, then your likelihood of doing that is, is much greater than somebody who doesn't think that that's possible or doesn't think that they can do that. Um, and yeah, I think just, you know, even something as maybe basic as that quote itself, um, is, is, you know, I, I think holds a lot of truth because, um, you know, those beliefs that we have are sort of our, you know, sort of relate to our operating system. And I know that's a term that you've used in the past, Brian, sort of the way that we operate, sort of the way that we see the world, um, whether that's in a match, whether that's in our training. And I think, you know, until we are able to sort of shine a flashlight on it or really examine it and really try to be aware of it, that's how we're, that's how we're operating. That's how we're living. That's how we're seeing things. And I think, yeah, I think just what's important is that we're, we're able to, you know, be flexible enough to, to take a look at it, to maybe adjust it, to maybe ask ourselves, is this working for me? Is this maybe limiting myself in some ways? Is this holding myself back in some ways? And I think by, you know, asking ourselves some of these questions that we discussed, you know, earlier in the episode, um, we can start that process of really trying to, you know, examine and then ultimately change some of these beliefs for the better. And just recognize, you know, I think even just recognizing how these beliefs are maybe are either holding us back currently or have in the past is a really important step to ultimately, you know, to ultimately forming new beliefs that will, you know, help you in different situations you may find yourself in. So hopefully everyone's gotten some maybe practical tips here about whether that's journaling, other ways of becoming more aware, a mindset plan, starting with the end in mind, to begin to examine how you think about the game, situations, maybe maybe examine if there are self-limiting beliefs that can be can be adjusted. Um, and so, of course, we appreciate any feedback that you have about some of the things that we've presented today. And um, because I think, it, as you said earlier, Josh, this is a really important topic. Um, certainly one we've touched on in various episodes, but it, uh, you know, it, it drives so much. Attitude really does, if we look at that progression, really drive your, your performance and, and the results that you end up creating. So putting a lot of uh, emphasis and awareness on creating great beliefs and attitudes is, is super important, right? So that's our show for today. Thank you all for listening. For more on today's episode, please check out the show notes. If you have any feedback or questions for the two of us, please email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the content that Josh and I discuss on the show, please rate and review the podcast so other tennis enthusiasts can find it more easily. Additionally, to be notified of new episodes, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube. You can also check us out on Instagram. If you would like to support the podcast, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership, where you can learn about the benefits of being part of the Tennis IQ podcast community. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode. Uh-huh.